Oh, the two of them. You remember when I said, as the CC men said, hey, we can't baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, but we know the people that can baptize you. These are the brothers. Amen. So God will use it to testify about the message. Amen. You may take your seats. Amen. You, yeah, I can multitask. You know, sisters can cook well, talking on the phone and shaking the kids. Amen. So I can multitask as well. Amen. Mm, there's a, there's a, you remember the mother, if the brother, brother, Fanny can come and help. I thought this is clipped in, behind you. You remember oh, the mother to the mother-in-law to Sister Tabising Masango. She once came with a, a growth. How many remember? Amen. Ah, I met her yesterday, and she said she thanks God. It is gone. Amen. So, there's so much that we can say about our Lord. Amen. But it's God of miracles. Amen. So, now I think we are fine. We can go live. Amen. I think Brother Mpanyana has extended his appreciation for uh, the assistance that was given to the Malaka family yesterday. Amen. Uh, we just want to say the team that you as a church sent there uh, represented you very well. Amen. Because the church is not just a church, the church is a family. We need to be there for one another. And I think we have done very well. I think it's those moments where as a pastor you become proud when you see believers lifting up one another. And I think that is the purpose of uh, our Christianity. Amen. This, they will know that you are my disciples when you sing. When you sing. When you love one another. Amen. So keep that love burning for one another. Through that love, Christ comes on to display. Amen. Now... I hope, Sister Winnie, I read your poem on Wednesday. I hope it's not copyrighted. Amen. <laughs> As we stand up to our feet. God bless you, Brother David. Good to see you and your wife. Amen. He's the son-in-law to Brother Philip and Sister Winnie. He's the son. Amen. Together with the daughter-in-law. Amen. God bless you. But in the way, in the message we say the daughter in love. Amen. Not in law. Amen. I'm excited to be preaching to you this morning. I don't know whether you are excited to hear the word. But me, I came excited that I'm going to preach to you. Amen. The message just warmed my heart and had a special effect on my heart. I couldn't wait to come and stand here and preach what I'm going to preach this morning. 
Amen. Oh, that's why the prophet says, when the love of God is in your heart, you can't wait for the doors to open so that you, you can praise him for what he has done and praise him for what he's still going to do because he's got at work. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let us read this scripture. Uh, um, I think, you know, you can eat and because you've got to eat, you've got to have a balanced diet. But, but you know you've got specific food that you've got weaknesses for. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, I don't know whether you know what I'm talking about. Uh, for some reason, you know, some of you it could be malva pudding. Hallelujah. Uh, and if you eat and there is no malva pudding, you say, goodness, only if I could have a malva pudding. Some of you could be a sweet potato. When you eat, you say, but only if there could be a sweet potato. Amen. Um, some of you could say a pumpkin. But everyone has got their favorite. Hallelujah. Uh, or, or beef stew. Okay. I see some already salivating. <laughs> Amen. So, even spiritually speaking, you know, there is, there is the message. But there is a Bible, but there are those specific scriptures. When you come across them, you can't help it. You, you, you get overwhelmed. Some, sometimes you just see tears streaming down your cheeks and you've got no reason because that scripture touched you in a very specific way. Hallelujah. For me, as such, when I read the book of John, the gospel of John, it does to me, amen. It's such a beautiful book. And when I read the book of Ephesians, it does something to me. And when I jump and read about Ruth, those Esther, those are books that I can read for eternity. Amen. I hope you've got your special. Hallelujah. Special. Even when in the church, if they pass that scripture, it's just like a cherry on top. Amen. I hope God will have a cherry on top for us this morning. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 43. Verse 43. It reads in this manner, the following, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Amen. Now Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him. Not just him, but of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What an announcement. What an announcement. And Nathaniel said unto him, Can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, 
come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. What an acknowledgement. Amen. As we bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are happy to be present in your presence this morning. What a privilege, what an honor to be called your sons and daughters in this dying hour. Lord, we've read the scripture here, but we need you to come and transmit life from this scripture onto your children. May it not just be a human activity, May it be a divine activity. May it not just be where men will utter statements, but let it be God's move where he will touch souls. And if there are people that must be found, let them be found. If there are people that must be healed, let them be healed. We thank you for the souls that you are bringing into your kingdom. And Lord, as your prophet said, we need to continue on the field preaching this unadulterated word of the living God and bringing these souls into the kingdom and hear their coming, dear God. It just brings joy because this is the greatest event. Whenever a soul realizes that there is a maker, it just causes a jubilation in heaven we are told even angels do sing on such activities, dear God. And this morning, here are the believers, they've made it to this place. You know them better than I do. May you minister to their needs. May you shame the devil, dear God, by acknowledging them and granting them their heart's desire. If there are problems that are in their lives, may they be resolved. If there are sicknesses in their lives, may they be held. And Lord, we think uh, about the prayer request of Sister Malazo. She doesn't know where the son is, but God's eye can see where the boy is. And where we cannot reach, you can reach, dear God. May he be found through this prayer. May he brought, be, be brought home safely, dear God. I've got an authority to ask that this morning. Because you said in your word, whatever I ask in your name, you shall do it. And this morning I'm asking and say, do you go wherever he is? Let him not just be found physically, but let him be found spiritually. That he can become a son and a minister of the gospel, dear God. And Lord, not only this request, but many requests that believers have. May you grant it, Heavenly Father. As we commit everything to you, including myself, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. While you take your seats.
couple of minutes. Amen. I, for a text this morning, or, or a subject, I want to speak on we have found him. Amen. How many have genuinely found him in the building? Come on, believers. How many have found him in the building? You know, there is, there is something exciting or special about finding something that is, that is rare or precious, as somebody says from the audience. You can't keep your mouth shut when you've found something precious. Amen. I think for the ladies in the building, if for some reason you come across a program, a diet loss program, and it's only known by you and it works for you, and everybody compliments you on how special it is, you'd want to tell everybody about what you have found. I'm just speaking on the natural here. Hallelujah. Uh, or maybe if you are a, a computer junkie and you, you are a programmer and you find a specific software that is able to resolve a specific problem, you want to write a journal about it and tell the world about this specific uh, software that you have and say, I found this uh, software and this is what it can do for you. Amen. Because what's happening? You found something very precious and you can't keep quiet about it. But this morning, I'm not speaking about a diet loss program. Neither do I speak about a, a computer program. But I'm speaking about the creator of heavens and earth. And I think if you can be excited to find something on a human level... What more about when you find, find him? Hallelujah. And I hope this morning I will speak to the people that have found him. You see, Paul, uh, Philip, the way he spoke, he, was, he spoke in definite terms. He says, we have found him. He doesn't say, we think we have found him. We hope we have found him. No, he says, we have found him. Hallelujah. I hope your amen will show that you have found him. Don't sleep on me. Amen. When you have found him, there is a sense of agency in your voice when you have found him. Amen. And to find him, as we often say, it is, it is life. Now, in history, we've had human achievements that bypassed human understanding or that, that overwhelmed humanity. I think when the, uh, is it the Wayne brothers, when they flew into the sky on their very first flight, which was a prototype, I... I just wonder what the feeling might have been to see an object with few humans on, on board and flying above the, in the sky 
where it was never thought that it was humanly possible for a man to fly at that altitude, and especially an object on an object. Amen. I think it must it must it must have been something that it must have been the news that must have captured a lot of people. Media must have been excited to capture that event because it was it was an odd event. Hallelujah. I, I don't know how it felt like when they first flew onto the moon. Well, I think there were journals that were written, there were statements that were spoken about the event because it was rare, it was never head off of a man flying onto the moon. I'm just painting a picture of the excitement that was derived from human uh, achievements. Amen. I think some of you, when the cell phone came in the mid-90s, especially in this country, how many remember the cell phone? How? Goodness, if you had a cell phone, you had to be seen that you actually have one. For some reason, they had it on their belt. Wherever you went, people didn't put their jacket anymore because there was a pocket, there was a cell phone around the belt. Amen. It signified that you had arrived, as so as they say. Hallelujah. I, I'm just saying there are human achievements that uh, create excitement among humans. Hallelujah. But. Uh, the wine brothers flew into the sky, but heaven never moved an inch. There was no song. There was no celebration. Heaven did not move an inch. When internet was found, heaven did not move an inch. When cell phone was found, heaven did not move an inch. But when a soul that does not know God. When a soul that thought that there was no hope, when the soul that was covered by the mud of sin, when that soul sprang up into life, the angels began to sing. And it's quite amazing that uh, things that the earth celebrate, heaven normally does not celebrate. And things that heaven celebrates, the earth does not celebrate. Simply because what is wisdom to the world is foolishness in heaven. And what is foolishness in heaven is wisdom to men. So there is always, there's always been this constant battle from time immemorial between spiritual, spiritual things and carnal things. Hallelujah. I'm simply saying if these brothers, they say they are going to be baptized, it's the greatest miracle. It's a hundred times, hundreds better than the latest invention. Because heaven is responding to this move. And there is a celebration that is going on and say, a son or a daughter of God has been found. Hallelujah. And that is why the people that are come from heaven, this morning they celebrate with heaven when they see souls that are coming into the kingdom and they say, we are now on the right path. Hallelujah. So I want to speak on we have found him. Salvation is a serious matter. It must never be something that is reduced to maybe, perhaps, I think, I hope. It must be something that says, I know it will work. 
It must never be say, perhaps I know him, I think I know him. It must be say, I know him. Are we together this morning? I hope we are together. Now, Jesus, or from the text that we have read, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip and said unto him, follow me. And Philip followed him. And I'm saying, what made Philip to move and respond just to two ways, follow me. And he followed. Especially when we live in a world where something has got to be proven. Something has got to be debated. There's got to be a consensus on this matter or uh, we are not moving forward. But Jesus came and found Philip and said to him, follow me. And Philip followed him. There There is something special about when God finds his son or his daughter. There isn't much debate that is taking place. One statement, I think the statement, follow me, it might look like two ways, but when it hits the soul of Philip, it must have opened a new world. Amen. I hope, uh, I wish this morning I could have witnesses. Amen. When this message came to you, did it open a new world? Hallelujah. And, and you wonder, some people will debate with them on a daily basis about the message and they never see it, especially our relatives. But you find somebody... He just stuck us into church and the pastor speaks on a very simple subject and within the subject there is just a phrase that a pastor utters and from that phrase that person hangs onto it and it begins to open a layer of revelation and he moves from this revelation to that revelation and it's as if they have long been in the message only that they've been in the message for a day or two. I'm simply saying there is something special when a predestinated seat is found. Hallelujah. And P. Philip and Jesus said unto him, follow me. Now, Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, Philip findeth Nathaniel. And here, I want to drive it to you, believers. If you have been found, be available to be used to find others. Hallelujah. And the danger is to be found and through you, no one is ever found. That means, as a believer, you are barren. How many believe it is compulsory for every believer to be a missionary? How many believe, Brother Branham says, if you stay with a man for five minutes, you would tell whether he's a Christian or not? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm simply saying, when, when you, and, and I've realized, and I'll come to, I look at the, the Muslims and I look at them with all due respect to their religion. Um, but there's one thing that they do. They are not ashamed about who they are. E- either you accept them or they walk away. Are you here? They, if they join an organization, they don't care about the company policy. The company policy has got to, adjust, to be adjusted to suit their needs. Yeah. 
the airport has got to be re, re, redone. I mean, when you go to O.R. Tambo, there is a specific place for them for prayer. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, but I've not seen anything for the CCs there. Hallelujah. I, I'm simply saying sometimes somebody can be wrong, but they can have their, a strong conviction even though they believe in something that is wrong, until the world takes them, them seriously, even when that thing is wrong. And I look around the world, and with all due respect, we live in a competitive world where we compare things. We live in a world where we have got so many religions around the world. We've got thousands and thousands of religions. And within Christianity, you've got different sects, and, but... I think I'm right to say this, not because I'm in the message, but I'm right to say the message, it is the only, hallelujah, I hope one will not be upset, the message is the only true thing. Do I have message believers here this morning? Or I'm only speaking on my behalf. The message is the only true in the end time. Uh, it's not a slip of tongue, I'll repeat, so that you must not go away and say it was a slip of tongue. The message is the only true thing in the end time. Maybe I'm too generic. The message is the only way, the only thing that can take you to heaven. And somebody says, but oh, Christ can take me to heaven. I'm here to tell you that the message and Christ is the same thing. Yes. I thought by now you should know that. Yes. Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the message is the way, the truth, and the life. Because the message is Christ revealed in the way form. Yes. Are we together? Yes. Now, if the message is the right thing, goodness, we've got to be taken seriously. But it will never be taken seriously till we take ourselves seriously. Uh, hello? Because people, even with wrong or on the basis of wrong beliefs, they've got such strong convictions that they believe for, that Allah will make things work. If things don't work out, they're able to, for a lack of a better word, bulldoze their way into, into, into society and make sure that the society caters to their needs. And I think, I think, I think as message believers, we, we, uh, maybe if I can detour a bit, we've got to do that. And I'm saying, I'm beginning to see when message believers are going into a default mode, even on parenting, and say, ah, let's just see how the kids will turn out. Let me tell you something. Parenting is a deliberate activity. You, you've got to be deliberate on how you want your kids to come out. Hallelujah. You've got to be very discerning even the schools that they can go to. Sometimes the school can achieve great distinctions, but it creates demo, uh, Devils. While producing distinctions, it produces devils. And if you are just looking at distinctions, you push your kid into that, and you are surprised when you get to the outcome. Are we together? 
And I think that's why I always have an admiration for the likes of Brother Ed Biscal to create message schools. It's not because they're not making money, but they've realized we keep on sending our kids to school and we never get them back. So, I mean, we can't keep on doing the same thing, expecting different results. And they decide that, okay, as a church, we'll have our school. Hallelujah. I expected a bigger amen than that. Amen. God bless you. Now, I said the message is the only way, and I'm not apologetic about that one. And don't show me people that have failed to the message. Show me the message. Hallelujah. You cannot dismiss something based on how other people have handled it. Hallelujah. Somebody can have the same thing but achieve greater results. And somebody can have the same thing and be horrible at it. But it's not, it's not, you cannot determine it based on how it was handled. Hallelujah. I hope we are together. Now, Philip findeth Nathaniel. I think you can extract a message from here. Brother Brandon, in the message, the blushing prophet, he says, since you came into the message, how many people, how many souls have you brought into God's kingdom? I'll give you a time so that you can answer yourself. Since you were found, and you attended great conventions, had great sermons, sung beautiful songs. How many people have you found and brought them into God's kingdom? He says, if you have not brought none, you are barren. There is a place for you at the altar. And if you have brought somebody, Brother Brenham says, for as long in the message, Lamb's, the Lamb's Book of Life, he says, as long as there is eternity, your name will be wrapped around that star. Amen. Bringing a soul to Christ is a lifetime achievement. Amen. Do you still believe in witnessing? Do you still believe in inviting people to church? Amen. When was the last time you invited your neighbor? And say, neighbor, let's go to church. A colleague, a friend, a school, a classmate. When was the last time? Amen. Philip findeth Nathaniel. And saith unto him, we have found him. Maybe just so that I can show you the gravity of this statement. There were thousands of prophecies about the Messiah. The Messiah wasn't going just to be a prophet. He was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. The Messiah, 
for a Jew, I, I want to paint a picture of what it meant when you say you have found the Messiah. They believed in the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. They believed that that God met the great prophet Moses in the wilderness or in the desert. They believed that that God created the heavens and the earth. They believed that there was no God like that God. They believed that he brought them out of Egypt into the promised land by his mighty hand. They believed that he enabled Joshua to stop the sun. They believed that he stopped the lion's mouth when their great-great-grandfather Daniel was in the lion's den. They believed that he's the very one that came into the fire as the fourth man. They believed that this great God, he had power, he had, he, he had omnipotency, he, had, he was omniscient, he was omnipresent. They believed in those characteristics. He can be everywhere, anytime. He can know everything at all times. He, he possessed all the powers. He can do anything that he wanted to do. I'm painting you a picture here. And they believed that they were elected as a, a special uh, nation to worship that God. Now, that Messiah that was promised, it had been painted because Isaiah says, Behold, a vision shall conceive. And he comes, he says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name is a counselor, is a mighty God, is an everlasting father. They believed that God would take residency in a human flesh through that man, that Messiah. Are we together? I'm painting you a picture so that you, you understand the gravity of this statement. Uh, they called him our father. They called him the God of heavens. And they worshipped him. Now, they, they studied the prophecies. They read prophecies and were students of Moses. And they looked through the scrolls of Moses, of Isaiah. And they were able to analyze all the prophecies about the Messiah, where he was going to be born, how he was going to come. And, and as they were reading, there was carnal interpretations until the prophet said, some of them thought he would never be born. They thought heaven would open and a, and, and a, a ladder would step out of heaven and he would come out descending and maybe go to the high priest. They had their own carnal interpretations of how he would come. Now, while they were reading, as we were saying on Wednesday, there must have been gimmicks that came as a result of those prophecies. They might have been the T.B. Joshua's of that time. I'm not afraid. I'm saying for what it is. Hallelujah. People, people that, took, that took advantage of a pending prophecy and wanted to project themselves as if they are the ones that the prophecy spoke about, and it came to nothing until it created skepticism amongst the people and say, maybe we are expecting Messiah to come. He would never come. Until those that read and those that were genuine 
They were troubled when they saw impersonation after impersonation and saw that all the impersonations came absolutely to nothing and they were despondent. They became discouraged. Hallelujah. But while they were there, they kept on looking and, and for some reason, Philip, when he was found by Jesus, Philip was found by Jesus and I believe it, him finding him, he had to find him in a certain realm before he can locate him physically. When he found him, he said, follow me. And Philip began to look and say, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we have been expecting. And I don't believe that Philip was careless. Philip was very studious. He read the prophecies and he could bring them together and see that they were now fulfilled in this man called Jesus of Nazareth. Now, after he has heard about that, because... Once you find Jesus, you want everybody to find him. Hallelujah. And once he had found Jesus, then he went to look for Nathaniel. And when he found Nathaniel, he spoke to Nathaniel, and he spoke to Nathaniel with confidence. He spoke to Nathaniel with some degree of conviction and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Stay with me here. If I was Nathaniel and I wanted to push back, I could simply say, look, according to Isaiah, the, in Isaiah it says, a vision shall conceive. Then how do you come that he's the son of Joseph? Are, you, are we together? I'm saying if, if you want the reasons not to come to him, there are many reasons that you can find never to come to him. Hallelujah. Are you here, church? Amen. And even those people that are analyzing the message and say, Brother Branham said so here, he should have said so. Hallelujah. Maybe if they were living during this time, they would have said, no, we don't want anything to have to do with anything because he is the son of Joseph. That's what Nathan- Philip said. But Nathaniel listened attentively and said, can there be anything good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth during that time was the Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew of the time. It was where prostitution was taking place. It was where uh, 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 drinking, people were drinking, going on a drinking spree in that area. It was where families were broken. Nazareth had a bad reputation. Hallelujah. When you looked at Nazareth, I think based on the statement that you hear from Nathaniel, you would have not even expected any sound man to come out of Nazareth. You would have not expected any sound woman to come out of Nazareth. It, was, it, it had no reputation at all. But yet, Philip cometh and said, we have found him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel says, can there be anything good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip says unto him, come and see. When I, when I say I have found fire, and you say, could it be a real fire? I don't need to provide nose of the fire. I must say, come and experience the fire. Because I know that if I was there 
at the fire, and I warmed myself at the fire, anyone that I bring to the fire, they will experience what I've experienced. Are you here, believers? The reason we say, come to Christ, and a lot of times, the reason people do not witness is because they have not experienced anything. And because they have not experienced anything, they are afraid that if they bring anyone else, they would not experience anything because they have not experienced anything. Because once you have experienced something, and you stood in a position and experienced something, you know that everyone that would come in this position would experience exactly what you have experienced. Are we together? So, now Philip says to Nathaniel, man, come and see. And Nathaniel comes, and as he was coming, Jesus saw him coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guy. These people, they were saying, the one that Moses had spoken about, the one that Isaiah had spoken about, they were making a declaration, an announcement to their fellow peers and say, we have found him. And my question is that this, this conversation was taking place outside the church building. This conversation was not taking place in the temple, but was taking place out of the temple. And that is why sometimes I want to say, you can be in church and be far away than a drunkard in the street. Yes, the devil has a church. It's a topic for another day. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? But the prophet says, if you can just resist the monitor a little bit. The prophet says, when, when you look at Philip, for Nathaniel to be found, there was a human instrumentality. Philip became an instrument through which Nathaniel was going to be found. And you sitting here, if you're a message believer, there was a human instrument that was used to find you and bring you in. Hallelujah. Before you could believe the message, you believed in another man that spoke to you and said, listen, there is something that is taking place. There is a prophet on the land. Then you believed in what that man was saying. And when you believed in what he was saying, you experienced what that man had experienced. But here is a danger part. It does not mean that if God used an instrument, a human instrument, to bring you in, that human instrument becomes your God. I've seen a lot of times where a person brings a person into the message and they make a conclusion that he is my disciple. Hallelujah. Where you've got uh, disciples have got disciples within the message. Hallelujah. There's only one that has got a disciple is Christ. And if somebody comes to present Christ to you, he simply says, let us follow him. Stay with me here. You'll understand what I mean. Are you not surprised that if somebody finds a wrong doctrine, immediately he goes to the people that he has baptized or led them into the message 
because he is under, under illusion that because they believed him the first time, they will believe him every time when he comes. He fails to believe that they were not believing in him, but they were believing in the one that was using them. Are, are we together? The reason they were saying Hosanna, Hosanna, they were not saying Hosanna, Hosanna to the donkey that Jesus was on. As somebody say, if that donkey had gone there alone, they would have never said Hosanna. What made the donkey special is because there was somebody upon the donkey. This morning you do not just believe me because I come here and stand here. You don't believe me actually. You don't even care. But you, you are checking whether behind this man who is speaking behind him. And if you cannot find the one that you are worshipping behind the man. Brother Branham says leave the man. But you must always know the one that you worship. I, I believe that Philip and Nathaniel, as they stood, and maybe they must have had fellowship after fellowship, and everyone would bring this scripture and say, I found this scripture that speaks about him. Maybe someone will say, I was reading in Isaiah. Maybe someone will say, but when you look at Abraham, he was promised a promised son. But Isaac was a promised son naturally, but there must be a spiritual promised son. Maybe they were talking about that. What they were doing, they were building up a profile of his characteristics. Because he is known by his characteristics. They wanted to paint a picture and say, if he comes, what shall he do? If he comes, how will we identify him? And the reason they must, they must have overcome and defeated the impersonations that came during their time is because they were able to see that characteristics were not there. Are we together? Amen. But I said, you've got to believe in another human being. Brother Brenham, the prophet, God says to him, if you can get the people to believe in you, Why not in God? Hallelujah. Why not in God? Moses, go to Egypt. An angel will forerun you. But when you get to Egypt, you, you have a prophet. Your brother will be a prophet. Hallelujah. And you, and you, and you, you will be God. <laughs> so, God and the prophet. God and the prophet. Which God? Moses. And the prophet Aaron. I, I'm not the one, don't look me in a funny way. I'm not the one that said Moses must be God. Your God said to Moses, you be God. And, and because God goes with the prophet, here is a prophet for you. So Moses, he could say, as God, I have my prophet here, Aaron. Hallelujah. Amen. And they had an angel that foreign them. If 
the, for the Israelites to leave Egypt. I don't care how many times they had heard about their God and worshipped them, him. If they did not believe in Moses, there was no way of escape for them. Because God delegated the agency of deity upon Moses and gave Moses a prophet which was Aaron and even Moses he had to believe in the position that he was given in order to exercise the authority that came with the position. God wanted Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh not on second person, he said. He wanted him to say, I say. I don't know whether you're in church this morning. Not he said. I say. That's why Moses, when he stood in front of Pharaoh, he said, let. Not God's people. No, let my people. Moses, come on. Did you have people? Did you have people? Because in our records, you are a fugitive. We are still looking for you. For a felony that you have committed. Why do you say these people are your people? Pharaoh, let my people go. And if you don't let them go, you will pay a price. And Pharaoh, I, I'm thinking he must have looked at Moses in a very disrespect, condescending manner. Looked at him and said, who does he think is they are not going anywhere? Whatever power that Moses needed to release them from Egypt, that power was no longer with God. But that power was now with Moses. Whatever obstacle that Moses was going to meet, a remedy had already been provided for. What Moses had to know at all times, it was his position that he was given by the Almighty God. That's why he says to Pharaoh, if you don't let them go, tomorrow there will be frogs on the land. And so let there be frogs, and frogs were coming. Where did that frogs come? Where the frogs come from? They did not come from the mouth of God. Heaven came from the mouth of God. He said, "Let there be the earth," and there was the earth. But in Egypt, the same power that was in Genesis chapter one had now been poured into a man called Moses. And Moses stood there and said, Let there be frogs. Brother Abraham said, They came from the mouth of Moses. And Moses looked at them and said, I just created frogs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tomorrow he woke up and said, Let's go and hear what the man has got to say. He said, Let my people go. Pharaoh thought it was a human against a human. But it was actually a human against God 
that disguised himself as a human. Oh, in the end time, they may think it's a human against human, but it is a human against God that disguises himself as humans. Moses said, okay, you don't want to, them to go. Let there be fleas on the land. From the mouth of Moses, fleas all over Egypt. I, I wonder how Moses slept every evening. And say to my wife today, I just created frogs. Tomorrow I will see if he doesn't want, maybe my wife I will bring the fleas upon the land. The wife had such a powerful husband that can make the palace to be uncomfortable because the deity was now in human flesh. The next day, he as well said, No, 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 you're not going anywhere. Moses went to the river with his stick pointed into the river. The waters changed into blood. I can imagine the sentence of Egypt looking and saying, we have never seen such a thing. It was not God that was doing these things. But it was Moses doing these things. But I want to say something here. Moses was not God. But God was in Moses. And as long as God was in Moses, then Moses was God. We are not God. But as long as God is in us, then we are God. I think this morning the bride can look at the devil and say, we are him. Oh, there they were saying we have found him. But here we say, we are him. Oh, they preach about Christ. They say he's coming. The second coming, every preacher is preaching. But there's a group of people that are springing up upon the face of the earth and say to the people, we are him. But you can never be him till you found him. Brother Brenham says, now get this close, friends, the message Moses. The hardest thing that God has ever had to deal with his people is to get one mortal to believe another mortal. That's the hardest thing. As I'm preaching to you this morning, whether you like it or not, there are mind battles. Some of you look and say, ah, what I remember. You remember the pastor? Did well. He looked impatient that day. And pastors must never be impatient. Hallelujah. But he didn't greet me nicely. You know why? The devil wants to reduce the deity and make it ordinary humanity. 
And that's why their irritation with Christ was that you, being a man, want to make yourself God. They hated that. And I, I think that is the danger of humanity. When somebody gets elevated, we always want to say, bring him down to our level. Are we together? Even you as the bride, have you ever, when you speak to people about the message and say, we have perfection, they look at you and say, ah, perfection. No one is perfect. That statement is loved by church people. No one is perfect. We are all sinners. We'll see. We'll figure out when we get there. No one is perfect. But we've got news for you. We are perfect. Not through our perfection. Through his perfection. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our weakness. He sees his perfection. Are we together? Amen. Let's stay with this text. When Nathaniel now was coming, and Jesus was there looking at Nathaniel, you know, Jesus has got a way to look at you. He's got a specific eye that pierces through you. When Nathaniel was coming, Jesus looks at Nathaniel and said, Behold, behold. You know what, what was he was doing now? He was expressing his characteristics and putting them on display to Nathaniel. Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guide. I believe everybody knew that Nathaniel was, an, was a righteous man. But sometimes it is how it is spoken and what it connects to in the, in the innermost of your being. When he spoke those words, Nathaniel looked and said, Rabbi! Because he was now identifying himself. He was bringing into display who he is based on what he was doing unto Nathaniel. And now, Nathaniel, uh, he said, Rabbi, Rabbi, from a man that said, there's anything good that can come out of Nazareth, to a man that can come and say, Rabbi, what changed? The picture changed because now, he was coming into the realization of who He is. He had heard about him. But now he was moving from hearing to seeing. He came on Philip's report. But now he was moving into his personal report. And I want to say to all of you, you came on other people's report. But this morning I want to say, be on your own report. Can you speak on first time basis and say, the one that I've heard of him, the one that I've read about him, now I know him for myself. Because 
Nathaniel was now coming into that. He looks at him and says, Rabbi, what a designation. For him to say, Rabbi, if the Pharisees were there, they were going to be irritated. They were going to be upset. And say, how do you say a man that was born out of a wedlock that does not belong to the lineage of the priest and call him a rabbi? But revelation will make you see things that people never see. And I believe the reason you are here this morning, it is by revelation. And sometimes, something can make sense on a natural level. You can have a reason that it is that way, but inside, you look at the reason, you look at the facts, but you say, no, 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 no. What I believe disregards the fact because God is not factual. God is not factual, friends. You cannot bring him to a fact level. Because if it is a fact, somebody conceptualize the fact. Are we together? Now, he comes, Nathaniel. He says to him, Where, where do you know me from? Hallelujah. Have you ever gone to a church where the pastor preached and it was the first time you were in that church, but you felt like, did somebody pass the notes to him and to tell him about my situation? Has a visiting minister ever came here and preached and you felt like, no, the pastor must have mentioned it in the office. No! The one that you worship, the one that you serve, he knows you And when a man stands you, even if he does not know you, the one that uses the man knows you. While on that point, I would have a problem to go to church and he doesn't speak about me. I want him to speak to me. I want him to address my needs. If I've done something wrong, God, point it out so that I can repent. And that's why Christian people today are worried. They, they've built walls around themselves. It's my world. No one must get into my world. No one must know my issues. We may not know your issues, but he knows your issues. Until such time, the God will speak in specifics until you look around the church. Who have I told this? Who? Sister Senso, they must have gossiped about me. And you find that it's not gossip. He knows you. But if you are a seat of God, you raise your hands and say, Go on. This morning I was in church. This morning you spoke to me. And I know you were speaking to me. You were not speaking to my neighbor because I know those issues are my issues. And he can never speak about your issues until he's ready to resolve them. God doesn't go, God doesn't go into territories where he's got no solution for. When he comes into your territory, he takes over the territory.
territory. And I said this morning, God, take over every territory in my life. Are you here, church? But a lot of times, believers lock certain territories and say, that's my business. If it's your business, your business will sink you. But if I was to you, I said, God, my business is your business. I'm a house. Get into every room. Go to the kitchen. Go to the living room. Go to the bedroom. I access me in a very way. In a, access me every area of my life. Amen. Are you here? Don't come to church. And that is what brings a stumbling block to Christianity. People come to church, give God 10% of their lives, and keep 90%. I'm not talking about money. When you speak about percent in church. Okay, 10% of your life, you give it to God, 90% is your issues. Now you wonder why you have 10% victory, 90% defeat. And those that don't know God, they look at you, they see somebody who is a 10% victor, 90% victim, and they want to say, no, 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 no. But they don't know when you come, you have just given 10%. This morning I said to God, Take every hundred percent. Take every hundred percent. Because I want to be a hundred percent victor in every area of my life. Young person, have you got issues that are only known by you? They will sink you. Never keep a secret to God. Bring it, lay, lay it out before him. And say, God, and, and, and stay there. And say, God, let me just stay there. I want to know that I've not left anything. Because when I live here, I want to have given you everything so that you can handle everything in my life. You will see God of heaven moving upon your life. You cannot have an almighty God and have big Christians. together. Now, Nathaniel comes. He looks at Nathaniel and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no God. My desire this morning, as I come to church, I want him to look at me. I say, behold, a message believer in whom there is no guide. Don't you want him to know you in that way? Nathaniel, he says, where do you know me from? Where do you know me from? He said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Before they testified to you, I saw you. Before you came to church, 
I saw you. Before you were born, I saw you. Before the heavens and earth, I saw you. Before the angels were created, I saw you. Before your sins and your weaknesses, I saw you. And I chose you. This speaks about God's amazing grace. Before I became a sinner, he chose me. Did he know about my weaknesses? He knew about them. He knew about my ups and downs, but his sovereign grace said, that's my man. Are you not happy? Even if I could upset you as a pastor, before the pastor upset you, he knew you. And he said, Before, Amen. Well, just excuse me. I'm gonna put it on. Just put a clip here because just come. Put a clip here on this thing. It keeps on moving. Apologies, Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Then it says, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. (laughs) Can I take it further? If he saw him, it was not a Philip that went to Nathaniel. Philip was sent. Philip was following the vision of Jesus towards Nathaniel. And the reason Nathaniel was coming is because the eye looked at him and there was a pool. I hope you are still with me. He says, Brother Brother says, that was identification of the characteristics of the anointed God. And said, Rabbi, You are the son of God. It's not just a phrase. A son of a donkey is. Hallelujah. A son of a dog is. Speaks about offspring here. He was acknowledging his deity. Do you check there? He said, they were speaking about the son of Joseph, but here they say, son of God. What was it? His characteristics identified him. He knew by the scripture that that was that anointed man. God anointed in flesh. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and he said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Acknowledging his deity Acknowledging his royalty because he identified himself by his characteristics. And Brother Brennan goes further in the message, the the resurrection of Lazarus, paragraph 76. He says, Brother, I feel feel real good about it anyhow. 
What this church needs today is a good revival. Not a new doctrine. Not a new order. But just a stirring up of what we already know about him. Some of us, we know him. We have found him. But in our knowing him, there is a clutter of the world. And this morning we say, God, remove the clutter. So that he becomes visible again before us. Are we together? I said to this message, it is Christ in the wait for. He says in this message, the anointed ones at the end time, paragraph 269, he says, says, now I want you to know this for sure. You that listen to this tape, you might have thought today that I was trying to say that about myself, being that I was packing this message. I have no more to do with it than anything. No more than just being a voice. And my voice, even against my better judgment, I wanted to be a trapper. But it's the will of my father that I declared to do and determined to do. I wasn't the one that appeared down on the river. I was only standing there when he appeared. I'm not the one that performs these things and foretells these things that happens as perfect as they are. I'm only one that's near when he does it. I was only a voice that he used to say it. It wasn't what I knew. It's what just I surrendered myself to you that he spoke through. It is not me. It wasn't the seventh angel. It was the manifestation of the son of man. It wasn't the angel. His message, it was the mystery that God unfolded. It's not a man, it's God. The angel was not the son of man. He was the messenger from the son of man. Brother Branham was not the son of man. He was the messenger from the son of man. He was a son of man revealing the son of man within a son of man. The son of man is Christ. The son of man is Christ. He is the one that you are feeding on. You are not feeding on a man. His weights will fail. But you are feeding on the unfailing body weight of the son of man. That's why we say this message, it is the son of man. Now he says, how many believe that finding him is one of the most critical things that you must do? He says in this message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He says, look, paragraph 233, Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation. Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes the Bible the complete revelation of Christ. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing, what God is trying to do. You've got to find him. Let us look at the Samaritan woman. She has a conversation with Jesus at the well. When she has a conversation with Jesus, Jesus looks at the Samaritan woman and said, go and get to your husband. Hallelujah. For some reason, he always goes to the broken people. That's why he was in Nazareth. Now he's in Samaria with a prostitute. Hallelujah. Because he likes fixing things. Hallelujah. 
If you were never broken, that means you never needed a savior. That is why human perfection is a blasphemy to God. Because your human perfection simply means there was no need of a redeemer. But the reason today we say there was a need for a redeemer and we found him is because we acknowledged that we're in a state where we needed him. Now the Samaritan woman says, look, it is not customary that we, the Samaritans, could reconverse with you, the Jews. And it says, had you known who you were speaking to and knew the gift of God? Hallelujah. Because now he was declaring who he is to the Samaritan woman. And say, if I give you my water, the type of water that I will give it to you, you will never thirst anymore. How many agree that once you find him, you are settled? Once you find him, there is inner peace. Once you find him, there is a peace that surpasses all human understanding. And he says, sir, I need that type of water. He says, look, go and get your husband. When he says, I have none, and say, thou speakest the truth because even the one that you are with is not yours. And now the Samaritan woman looks at this one and looks and says, this man knows my issues. This man knows what I've been through. And looks at him and said, sir, I perceive that thou art the prophet. And now Christ looks at him and says, I'm he. And now the Samaritan woman says, We know that when the Messiah cometh, he will tell us all things. That was the Samaritan woman's way of identifying the Messiah. It must not be the one that will give me half things, it must be the one that gives me a complete revelation. He will tell me all things. And Christ said, I am he. And the woman took the bucket and ran to the city. Because when you find him, there is a sense of agency. You can never find him and just relax and it becomes business as usual. No, sir. You want to tell everybody about him. You want to go to your family and say, I have found him. You want to go to the work and tell the boss, I have found him. You want to go to your wife and say, I have found him. You can never find him and remain the same. You can never find him and be quiet. Are you here, church? Are you here this morning? A prostitute ran to the city. I don't know who she met in the city. Before she left for the well, maybe she was avoiding certain women. Because of her reputation, because they will gossip about her and say, yeah, she took my husband, that one. And she was avoiding them. But after she met Christ, she never cared about her reputation. She burst into the city and said, come and see a man. Is this not Christ? The entire city believed because of a prostitute. Don't tell me you are waiting to be perfect before you speak about him. The prostitute was more in a more terrible condition than who, where you are. Amen. I don't know what happened to many of you. 
you look at Rahab. She had a, a holiday in of some sort going on there. Amen. Not, not casting a patient to truck drivers, but these days whenever you see a place frequented by truck drivers, you get worried. Amen. I don't know who was frequenting Rahab's place because she was a prostitute. But while being a prostitute, the two spies, when they came, I don't know why God, he always sends the gospel to very funny places. These two spies, they came into the house of Rahab. And when they got there, Rahab said, We have heard of the God of Israel. We have heard of the great things that he has done in the wilderness. And it filled our hearts with fear. It made our courage to fail us. But I want you to make a promise that when you come, you will spare me and my household. And I want you to give me a sign that you will not destroy my family. And she had a piece of cloth there. And they said to her, as they were escaping with it, and said, if you leave it like this, when we come back, it will be served as a token a prostitute. How did she hear about the God of Israel? How did she, she believed in the God that she had not met? She was predestinated. She was already, God was waiting for a moment for her to come in. Brother Brandon actually takes it further and says, those men that went in with the tapes, and maybe as she was hiding them, they were playing tapes for themselves. Hallelujah. Well, they have gone into the battle, but they had tapes with them. That's why, brother, wherever you go, have the tapes of the prophet with you. And as they were listening, she was listening as well. And she said, look, I've heard about the gods of my nation, but this is the real God of heaven. And I want you to believe in this God. And they gave you a sign. It's quite amazing. I wonder if you were a brother to Rahab. You must have spoken to her many times and said, Sister, your life is a reproach to the family. Get a career of some sort so that you can become a crown of the family. You are embarrassing us. Imagine the very same person that you've been telling them and say, you need to fix your life. She comes around and say, today, you will be saved. There is a danger coming, but I've got a secret. I've got a remedy because I have found him. Maybe somebody must have said, is it a new man? Yes, it was a new man. But this man was not looking at a physical body was looking at a spiritual body. Hallelujah. And he said, let let me tell you, 
you all need to come to my house. Because my house will only be the place that will be protected when danger comes. And I want to say, my brother, in your family, they might have looked at you and said you are useless. They might have written you off and said, look, you are an embarrassment to the family. But hear this man this morning, you've got an opportunity that through your broken life, God can step into your family and your family can be saved because you have found him. Don't find a church this morning. Find him. Because when you find him, he comes and changes your habits. You might have moved from AA meeting to AA meeting, but today you came to the right meeting that is attended not by a psychologist, that is not attended by a counselor, but but is attended by the almighty God. And I want you to then make an announcement this morning. He is here. And whoever wants him can touch him and your life will never be the same. I hope you are here this morning. I hope you can touch him. As he's going up and down, you can reach out to him and say, Savior, Savior, pass me not. Hear my cry. As you hear others, hear my cry. I can tell you, he will come and he will minister to your needs. Folks, do you recognize the one that is amongst ourselves? We didn't just wake up to see a man with some performance here. We came here because we believe God will minister to our needs. And I want you to say, he is here. Greater than all of them is here. And as Nathaniel said to, as Philip said to Nathaniel, we have found him. This morning I want, I don't want to say I think we found him. No, sir, I don't think we hope we found him. This morning I want to say, we, we, us, we have found him. And furthermore, we are him. Brother Maribel, you want to tell me, who have we found? This one, when he was here, walking on the shore of Galilee, he said, a little while, the world sees me no more. But yet you shall see me, because I will be in you, and I will be with you until the end of time. And Paul comes and says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to say, you can leave it, Brother Philip. And this morning, I want to say to you, no matter what, that statement still holds. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did Philip find him yesterday? Did Philip find him yesterday? He found him. Can you find him today? Can you find him today? Can you find him today? And I say, he can be found. If a Samaritan woman can find him, you can find him. And today I say, let us find him. And Paul comes and says, without controversy. Without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. That God was in flesh. And John says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh. And we beheld the glory of the wave. 
And I want to say today, the word is flesh. We have found him. Where did we find him? They found him in this body. They found him in this body. But he's no longer in this body. No, 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 no. That body's up there. He's no longer in this body. But he is here. Hallelujah. I want to find him. I want to find him. Where is he today? Where is he today? He's no longer in heaven. Where is he today? Turn around to your brother. Turn around to your brother. Turn around to your sister. It's a brother. I have found him. He's in your brother. He's in your sister. He's in your pastor. He's in your deacon. He's in the church. The the church is himself revealed. Are you here, church? If he's here and he wants to be healed, just say, my brother, pray for me. Because you are, he's in you. He touches me. Don't doubt it. Brother Bruno said the greatest obstacle is to get one mother to believe in another mother. And I'm introducing God that is next to your brother. That is in your brother. And he must acknowledge God is in my brother. And he must acknowledge God is in my brother. She must acknowledge God is in my sister. She must acknowledge God is in my sister. We need to recognize the one that is in us. Then I can say, greater than Solomon is here. Greater than Moses is here. Greater than Brother Brennan is here. Greater than all of them is here. And if God is with us, if God is with us, if God is with us, not even a single demon can come our way. Hallelujah. If God is with us, if God is with us, all demons must be under our feet. Greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. Where is the solution this morning? In the church. In the believers. Then I can look at the church and say, Hosanna to the king of heavens. And you cannot be proud because you are like a donkey. You know it's not you, but it's him on you. The donkey was unworthy to go to the temple because it was a defiled animal. But when the Messiah came on the donkey, the donkey was going to the temple because he made the donkey worthy. I am a donkey. I am a donkey. But there is somebody that is on the donkey. Hallelujah. Messiah is the king of kings. Messiah is the king of kings. Hallelujah.
people that were unworthy can bow down and say, the lamb is with And now we can come into a state of worship. Now we can say, when I remember, when I remember, I was, a donkey is an animal that works for nothing. It doesn't get paid, but it works hard. It's like a life of a sinner. You work hard, but no payment. But one day, while you were working, he came on you. And marched towards the temple. And people that used to disrespect you, you saw them taking out leaves. Putting it on the road. And say, Messiah is the king. And they were not saying to you, you knew who was on you. God bless you, sir. Let's keep on clapping for him. Messiah is the king of kings. Messiah is the king of kings. Messiah is the Lord of lords. There is no one like him. He is the Lord of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If people ask you, who am I? Yes, yesterday I was a drunkard. But today, tell them I'm redeemed. Tell them I'm redeemed. Yes. I am redeemed. Thank God for redeeming me. But we Who I am I am t- 
church. Let's sing it.
Rain King Jesus. Then we'll close the way to the word of prayer. Brother Watt, if you can just come and wrap up for us. for your mercy, O oh God. Exactly. Father God, we say, O oh Lord, Father, you came by, O oh Lord. You found us. Father God, stuck in the deep muddy clay, O oh Lord. Mm. Heavenly Father God, but O oh Lord, he does not. Father God, that statement does not give justice, O oh God, to the state that we were in, O oh Lord, yes. when you found us, O oh God. Mm. Heavenly Father God, we should not even be here, O Lord, but because of you, O God. Thank you, Father. Father God, because, O Lord, 
Father God, you found us, O Lord. Father God, we say thank you, O Lord. Heavenly Father God, as you came past, O God, today, O God, you spoke to us, O God. Father God, you came, O God, to the innermost parts of us, O God. Father God, and you came, O God, and you just, Father God, you touched us, O Lord. Father God, and today, O Lord, Father, as we are before you, O God, Father, you know us, O God. Father, and we thank you, O Lord. Father, for coming, Father God, and speaking to us, O Lord. Father God, we say thank you, O Lord, for addressing, O God, those little issues, O God. Father God, we, Father God, we look at the situation, O God. But, O Lord, when we know, O Lord, we found you, O God. Father God, and when you come onto that scene, O God, the whole scene changes, O Lord. Father, and today, O Lord, we pray, O Lord, Father, that you would come and reign in our lives, O Lord. Father God, may we go out, O God. Father, knowing, O Lord, that, O Lord, we have found you, O God. Father God, may we go out with that realization, O God. Father God, with that, O God, in our hearts, O God, and in our minds, O God. Father God, so that we will possess the gates of the enemy, O God. Father God, no matter what, O God, whether it be financial, O God, whether it be material, O God, marital, O God, whatever situation may be, O God. Father God, we know, O God, that we have found you, O God, and that, O God, will not stand before us, O Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray now, Lord. Father, as we go, Lord, to our separate homes, O God. Father God, and when we become quiet, O Lord, Father God, may we, O Lord, realize one thing, O God. Father God, that you have found us, O God. Father God, and that that relationship, O God, Father God, that that bond, O God, shall grow even stronger, O Lord. Father God, and we thank you now, Lord. Father God, we come before you, O Lord, as your children today, O Lord. Father, we pray now, Lord, Father, Father, that you would continually to bless us, O God. We pray, O God, that you would, O Lord, restore the virtue that has left our pastor, O God. Father God, that you may bless him, O God. Father God, for, O Lord, it is true, O God, that you have used him again today, O Lord. And we are, Father God, so thankful, O God. Father, we look, O Lord, around us, O Lord. And it is clear, O God, that we are the evidence of your mercy, O God. And we say thank you now, Lord. Father God, go with us now, Lord. Father God, go, Lord. Father and Lord, may we be, O God, your servants, O God. Father, we are your billboards, O God. May we be, O God, the mirror that Jesus is, O God. Father, Lord, we pray now, Lord. Father, use us, O Lord, throughout this week, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Let's just say there is an army rising and after you are dismissed, have a blessed week. Amen. Keep on praying for one another. Amen. If there is any prayer request that we have laid it out here, continue with it in your homes. God bless you richly. How many believe that? I believe that.